All right. Welcome to the Why Music Podcast, where we talk to independent artists about their journeys, the inspirations behind their music, and ultimately why they make music. This next artist brings together all kinds of sounds to make a perfect blend for storytelling, combining the South Carolina and Northeast cultures in the form of song he's a voice to be reckoned with. Welcome, Avi. Thanks. Did you make that up or was that somewhere that you got it? That no, intro? I wrote it. <laughs> oh, wow. I like it. Thank you. Um, so why don't you kind of start things off by telling me a little bit about where your music journey all began? Well, huh. um, I I loved the idea of songs when I was very young. I think four or five, I was like writing little love songs with the recorder, um, you know, the, uh, the digital keyboard and cheesy little lyrics sort of based on things I heard on the radio. So um, that's where I guess where I started and then I learned how to play several uh, different instruments at different times, like in the marching band and then guitar and then banjo and piano and stuff. And uh, songwriting just was always sort of what I wanted at the forefront of why I learned instruments was really just so I could write songs. I never wanted to become like a instrumentalist, which bears out in the fact that I'm not really good enough at any of the instruments to, to be an instrumentalist. Uh, I have a sober running joke because my friend was making an album and I said, oh, I can play some lead guitar on that. And he had me come into the studio and I played, I tried, you know, a few passes. And then he was like, Avi, you can't play lead guitar. <laughs> and I was like, you're right, actually. I didn't, I just thought I could do it without actually doing it. Cause I was like, oh, I've been playing guitar for 15 years. There's no way I can't play lead guitar, but I can't. Um, so yeah, that's, and I guess that's just sort of the more practical part. And then sort of for inspirations, um, when I was young, I loved Michael Jackson, um, really more than anything, just Michael Jackson all the time. And then I found Nirvana and Lauryn Hill, and then got more into folk music, Leonard Cohen and Paul Simon, uh, other like Jewish folk singers. And then I sort of got a lot more into R&B and hip hop. I just, but I sort of already formed sort of who I am as an artist a little in a songwriter more so that that stuff isn't doesn't really change what I'm doing just more inspires me in in its uh in like when it's good so if you started out like you said you started out writing songs kind of like as a kid like with like the recorder and the keyboard and stuff when did that kind of transform into lyrics or was it always kind of from a lyrical standpoint what's well, funny because my son when he was about six or seven, he started writing songs because he would come to my shows and, you know, he would see like me play in front of people and he wanted, you know, to like be part of it. So he would write these like love songs. And I was like, oh, this is just like what I used to do. Um, and I don't, I think uh, when it became, when it changed from just kind of like a fun thing to, to, be the way I knew and learned how to express myself, how to how I express like my feelings or how I was able to bring to consciousness, sort of how I was feeling subconsciously, then that's when it became this thing that I was like, oh, I have to do this. And that I felt like I had a gift to be able to do that, to bring out things from that I couldn't consciously think of and bring out something from from like deeper within so the lyrics are kind of always been at the heart of it then yeah definitely I, I mean melody is is important too and I try to sound nice when I sing or like I've worked hard to get my voice better but um it's all about the song and the and the melody and the and the instruments are all part of the feeling you know they paint the the everything together but the lyrics or the meaning is at the core of it for me i think that's often what tells the story the best at least in like the most direct way like when you listen to a song what you're going to follow is the lyrics as far as like the contents but like the song as like the elements of music is going to do it's just kind of kind of 
elevate and like strengthen the power of the story that the lyrics are already telling. Word. <laughs> um, so you kind of, I think briefly just touched on it, but what was the moment where you kind of decided I'm committed to not just like making music, like playing these instruments, writing these songs, but like, I'm going to put them out. I'm going to release this music. I'm going to turn these songs into a career and become an artist. Well, um, when I was younger, it was about sort of desperately wanting to be loved and accepted. Um, that drove me. I was like, I gotta like put out music and people, if people listen to it, they'll like me. And if people come see me play, they'll like me. And um, that was sort of always at the forefront of it. It's like, I just wanted to be liked and accepted and admired and feel good about myself so it was like a lot of self-esteem sort of things or like feeding an ego or whatever um and i think aspects of that remain and will probably always remain like it's kind of hard for me to extricate uh the part of me that like needs to do it and the part of me that wants attention <laughs> or love or whatever and acceptance um but uh Despite that, I didn't do it uh, for a living. Um, I was teaching and then I was farming and I was raising my son. And then I was farming. I was starting to play sort of more shows uh, in South Carolina. And then I, I had a show one night at the, this place called The Poor House on a Friday night. And I had gotten a check Thursday or Friday and I had gotten my two week check from the farm I was working at and I made more money at the show than I made in my two for my two week paycheck. And then I, that's was like, it was like a light bulb. I was like, Oh wow. People actually like to see me play. And why am I like killing myself doing like this hard physical labor that I'll never get ahead because working class people can't get ahead in the society with uh, how devalued labor is. Um, and how overvalued uh, sort of CEOs are um, and stock people or whatever. Uh, like there's just no way to be a working person and make it ahead. I mean, studies have shown this. So I kind of was like, oh, it would be stupid for me not to do music because music's the only path I'm going to have to ever have a house <laughs> Yeah, <I laughs> or mean, something if, like that. <laughs> if the money's not adding up or if it's leaning one or the other way, like that's kind of part of it. I mean, that's also like, to look at it in the perspective of you were able to like your skill set and your talent was able to bring in more of that one night than a regular job was for two weeks, you know, like yeah, that's, I'm, it's I'm, a big, I'm a lot big better. Deal. I'm a lot better at singing and writing songs than I am at farming. Cause I'm not, <laughs> I'm not particularly strong uh, and I'm not particularly big. So like, I'm not really that good of a farmer. There's a lot of people could do it better than me. So it's kind of like, yeah, it's like I was never that good at other things because they never were something I was passionate about. So it makes sense to do something you're passionate about because you'll just be better at it. Yeah, absolutely. That's also like you're, you're going to work harder at it too. So you're going to want to be better. And it's just going to ultimately end up being where you're like, you're better at that than you could be at anything else because that's what you wanted to put the most time into. Mm -hmm. uh, what do you think is, like often inspires most of your writing uh, all my songs are about you know heartbreak whether that's a romantic heartbreak or grief um, uh, from a you know death or whatever it is that's always what uh, that's always when I feel inspired to write when I've not when I feel depressed and sort of melancholy and sad, but when I feel like absolutely sort of heartbroken or sort of deeply sad and, and touched in a way, then that's when I write. That's what I like when I feel real sad, if I'm like starting to cry or whatever, that's when I'm like, where's my guitar? <laughs> I think it says a lot about like things too, because it's like, a lot of songwriters like it's a, like you said it's a form of self-expression and so like having that sort of outlet to do so you're more inspired to write when you're going to be feeling negatively than positively because you want what you're feeling to kind of get off your chest whereas if you're 
on top of the world, you might like you could just keep that to yourself and it's no different. But like when you're in that like negative place, it's like I have to at least let it out, whether it's just on the page right in this moment or if it's at a conversation with somebody else, it's like that's the one you feel more compelled to get out because then you're not stuck with it for longer. Well, I think um, yes, and to sort of uh, like further expound on that, which I think is a word, expound. Um, a sad, like there's a difference between a sadness and a hopeless, like sad, hopeless, and a beautiful sadness like a sadness in which you're so like it it absolutely breaks your heart but at the same time it's kind of beautiful and you have some hope or something you know like that's the kind of thing that inspires me but then like just sort of a depression or whatever does quite the opposite I just don't feel inspired to write um it's the doldrums of capitalism and of our, our, all of our problems in society in America, in United States specifically, where you can't, you have no right to healthcare, you have no right to housing, you have no right to livable wage. So we're all kind of just, we're like serfs essentially to, to a ruling class. And it's, it's actually just very frustrating. That does not inspire me to write. That just makes me angry. And <laughs> it feels hopeless. <laughs> Yeah, I think like like you said, like a beautiful sadness, that's I think a good way to put it. Like those there are things within the realm of sadness that are like hopeless. And then there is like the beautiful, like there is there is beauty in all emotion and not necessarily like every type of emotion under any given umbrella, but anything can be spun in that kind of positive way. Right, like when my father died, I was very inspired to write because his death made me realize how wonderful he was. You know, like it was very inspiring to uh, to be able to reflect on a, with a gratitude on somebody who was so loving and supportive. So you could be really heartbroken that they're gone, but then it's kind of like, well, how beautiful that they were so wonderful that you hurt this much. Uh, mm -hmm. to lose them or in a relationship with someone who's quite wonderful even if it doesn't work out you're you're sort of touched whereas um you know if uh if it's just a sadness like um you're in a toxic relationship or if it's a sadness like you're someone dies that was awful you're not gonna feel that sort of same that's a different sort of sadness it's just like that's like a a regret more so than a, than like a, there's no like beautiful other side of the coin to those kinds of sadnesses. Yeah, absolutely. Um, how would you describe your music for somebody who's never heard it? Uh, well, you said uh, remind you of the head and the heart. Uh, I've heard Ray LaMontagne a lot and. Um, uh, so as a reference point, sort of like that, but um, so, I, and I, I think people will say sort of it shows Bob Dylan and Neil Young or whatever it is. Uh, um, for me, in my head, I felt like my music is um, somewhere like a mix of uh, like Motown R&B, uh, like Otis Redding, in between that and uh, like Bruce Springsteen, not in terms of quality, but just in terms of um, stories, but also um, a rhythm and like a poppiness in that they're sort of catchy songs, but not, uh, um, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> a little bit of everything. Yeah, I mean, it's hard for me to say. I don't know how other people perceive my music. In my head, I've always felt like I was playing R&B music uh, or pop music, but then I was always a folk singer and I was always playing with other folk singers and in the folk crowd. And um, so then I was a folk singer. 
because I'm a Jewish guy with an acoustic guitar, I think it's a big part of it. But um, when I have the opportunity to hear my songs and play them with different musicians, and then I hear them and I feel like they're more like a 90s R&B song, like a, like a Michael Jackson song or something like that, than they are like a traditional folk song. I think because it's interesting that you say that and that you say that you're more inspired by like a Lauren Hill than like a head in the heart because like genre wise, the way that like it comes to life in production, you're leaning more towards a head in the heart than like a Miss Lauren Hill. So it's interesting because it's it all once like the song is on the page, it kind of comes down to how you go about executing that in the form of production, because you could turn a song like yours into a bunch of different things but it's like it fits in the box best of like the acoustic folk kind of production style of things rather than a R and B side of things. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that, I don't know. I, like I've always just, I have never uh, thought much about it. I just go in record it sort of how I've been playing it. So although I have been working on a new album that, is uh, almost done and I think I guess it'll be out next year but it's definitely an R&B album um there's no guitar on it uh actually there's guitar on two songs but um there's very little guitar it's mostly piano and drums and bass and it's the same it's my songs it's just how like all my songs are but when you change the um instrumentation and you have uh my friend Ryan is producing it, then it becomes something different. Absolutely. It is, It you can write things one way, but ultimately what defines the genre is how it's made sonically and the instrumentation and how it's all like produced and everything. So you could take a set of lyrics and put it in every different genre. It's just a matter of which shoe fits best. And it has to feel like, it's like I've, caught, I've kind of sort of felt in this in the studio like more like myself more like the songs are what I wanted in originally like like how I ended up being like a folk singer and recording all these songs with acoustic guitar with maybe an upright and a light percussion I don't know how that happened I think I just sort of started on that because I was with an acoustic guitar and um it just sort of then I will it got into my head like okay now I'm a folk singer and I'm doing this type of music Americana folk or whatever but then when I was in the studio and I put the guitar away and we did this full album with with drums and bass and and um piano and organ I realized that I felt more like how I wanted the songs to feel they sounded more like how i felt in how I like what I grew up on and so that was really exciting also I really enjoyed dancing and so it's freeing not to have the guitar because you can move your body and and in doing so give the audience permission to move their bodies you know not that they can't but they kind of look for Mm -hmm. that permission if the if the singer isn't moving then they're not going to feel like they can move at least you know I don't know. That's just been my experience that when I start moving more then the audience starts moving more, but I don't know if that's always the case. <laughs> I can't say otherwise. So, I mean, I, I could see that being the case as I mean, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so is there a release or a song that you've put out that you think best embodies who you are as an artist or is that song yet to come on this next album? Uh, well, certainly I think, yeah, the, the best stuff I've done has yet to be released. However, of the things I've put out, I'm very proud of this song, New England Woman, and I'm very proud of this song, Hawk in the Nest. Uh, those two songs, probably. You think those are the best kind of overall representation of you as an artist for, I mean, at least what's out there? Uh, yeah, and this song, Pickup Truck, that I wrote about my father. I think those three would be the ones that I think are the 
the closest I've come to uh, reaching some sort of state with my song writing that is um, a beyond just simple um, conscious writing, uh, where I've come to a state of um, true like connection to some sort of spirit. Do you think that those like is it more on a sonic level is it more on a like lyrical contents level um or both is it like which way would would you say that those are like a good representation of your work uh lyrically melodically um structure the song not 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 as much the production or the instrumentation but but everything else so you think like, have you, so going into this more no guitar um, R&B shift kind of direction you're going with this next project, do you think that the way you have written the songs is the same or is it kind of a different approach now that you're kind of executing those songs in a different way? Like are, is the lyrical content still very similar to the previous stuff as far as the way that you write? Yes, exactly. Exactly the same. I haven't changed who I am as a, as an artist. Um, I think, yeah, like, you know, I, I think in terms of the best sounding music that I've made is yet to come. I don't know that I'll ever write better songs um, because I am incredibly proud of some of the songs on this next album and some of the ones I've put out. I, I, um, those enough are like enough for me to feel like proud of myself and that I have a gift. That'll, it'll be really interesting to see then if it's like you're writing the same kind of stuff, but it's just kind of transforming production wise. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's, it's transforming. The production's different and I think it sounds nicer and better, uh, but the songs are about the meaning and the feeling, mm-hmm. uh, not, they're not about uh, uh, being popular, you know, like they're not written to be pop songs or, or I mean, they're, I think they are poppy, but that's just how they are. But I certainly did not write them with any intentions of making money with them or being popular with them or, um, or them sounding like R&B songs. I just wrote them to express myself and then worked with some musicians to um, groove, put a groove on the feelings, <laughs> yeah, I guess. Cause you know, like uh, Motown and those sorts of songs, and those are very, a lot of those hits are, are very, uh, very heartbreaking, heart-wrenching. Like uh, there's this old Motown song. Um, it's the same old song, but with a different meaning since you've been gone. I don't know if you know that one. I don't uh, recall who sings it, but it was definitely on the Motown label. And, you know, it's like heartbreaking, you know, and, but it's a, it's got a beat, you know, dun, 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 dun. And there's like a bass, you know, dun, 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 dun. And there's horns going, bum, 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 and drums. And then, but it's got this heartbreaking feeling, you know? So I think that's the kind of the beautiful thing is to make something with a groove that also sort of breaks your heart. And like that song, Crazy, you know, that was really popular. Mm-hmm. That song was like mean people connected to it, but sonically it was fucking incredible. So I think that's what I've been trying to do is work with people that will bring the music to a better place sonically uh, more than just, I mean, I just, I also got bored of hearing myself and the guitar. I think it's a very limited sonic, um, just in terms of the, the literal sound waves, the frequency of guitar and voice are very similar and it's just this, it's this one place. So it makes a lot of sense to open it up sonically and the not just the uh, the you know the the hertz or whatever of the waves but 
uh, the frequency, but also the quality of the sound. There's a, a droniness to the organ that you don't get when you're singing and playing the guitar. And there's a and the the there's a groove and a feeling in those other instruments that uh, are conducive to people connecting to this songs. And I think that's something that I neglected in my uh, career uh, is those things. I've just been like, oh, I'm so proud of this song here. Here's the song as I have it and not thought about how to uh, increase the, um, the dynamic of the song, the sound, the dynamic of the sound. Yeah, it's sometimes hard to go beyond how you hear it when you write it because it's like you hear it this one way and then it's like okay I can build off of that but like trying to reshape it completely and kind of take it in a different direction can sometimes be challenging because you hear it in your head the way that it was originally written and undoing that is hard exactly and that's where collaborators come in because unless you're a prince or stevie wonder and I imagine even if you are them you collaborate with people and I certainly cannot play instruments well enough to do that myself. So you have to collaborate with people. Yeah. Some great work is, I mean, most songs you hear today are co-written, produced by somebody else, all that other stuff. It's like, there's like 20 people that work on one song. Well, that I feel like it's maybe a different thing, the co-writing. <laughs> I mean, I, I've never, um, I've never co-written with anyone I oh that's not true I guess there's one song that's a co-write but I didn't co-write with them they they covered my they changed they took my song and then changed it you know did a little co-writing with it um changed it around a little bit but it was I didn't co-write with them you know it was they took my song and then they they you know messed around with it and got something else but um, I've never actually collaborated with someone on the song you know maybe mm -hmm. people have written maybe a bass that people like in the studio right now like the bass player writes the bass line and the drummer comes up with the drum parts and the piano player comes up with the piano parts but I write all the chord progressions and I write all the lyrics and all the melody of the vocals and then like the horn parts so it's 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 like what I'm hearing and they're able to make it improve it and make it better than what I heard piano and drums and bass I mean they're better than I can imagine in my head so it's been really exciting I'm sure collaboration can bring a lot of cool different things that you would never have expected mm -hmm. yeah I'm, I'm sort of a solitary person so um, it's nice to collab it's nice to have that experience with people doing that because I generally uh, just write alone and travel alone. <laughs> Spend a lot of time alone. <laughs> so what would you say motivates you to kind of keep writing songs, keep putting them out, all that good stuff? That's uh, a funny, uh, that's funny you asked that because I was just talking about that with my therapist this morning. Um I don't always have the motivation um, to do it. Uh, I it can be challenging to uh, get the motivation to do it, but I love. Uh, like I got an email the other day from someone who was like, "Oh, I've been listening to this song Hawk in the Nest on repeat." You know, my father passed and. Um, it's been really like meaningful to me um, to hear it. And, you know, I just wanted to thank you and you should, you know, I want you to keep doing this kind of thing. You should keep creating and et cetera. It was very encouraging. Um, and so that was beautiful to hear, but, uh, you know, like I felt good for a bit and then it sort of faded and, sort of back to, to where I am normally, which is uh, I have a discipline to play um, and I play and I practice um, because I like doing it 
um, and um, I liked teaching, but it took a lot out of me. And I liked farming, but it was hard for my body and didn't pay anything. So, um, so you know, if if I found something that I loved more, I would do it. But I just am hopelessly sort of um, uh, hopelessly sort of in songwriting and and singing. I just it's like I can't even fight it. Uh, it's just what I do. I can't if I, <laughs> I I've tried. I've been like because it's challenging, you know, to make a living doing it or or to like keep getting all the rejection that you get every day. Um, but then, so I'll say, oh, I'm not doing this anymore. Like, I'm so sick of getting rejected by every venue. They don't even want me to play. And I'm sick of playing a big show and, and I only get the room half filled or quarter filled. And I'm sick of um, sending my stuff to, to people that rejected or whatever it is. Um, and traveling all the time uh but i'm really just you know blowing off steam because the reality is that i'm always going to play music and i'm always going to write songs uh so i don't know it's just like i just do it <laughs> <laughs> some things are just like that yeah. um if you could open for any artist who would it be uh, living or dead or uh, living whatever like, you want more practical more practical like who actually is touring now sure um, so they like got artists that it would be realistic on some level uh, that I could open for um, uh Uh, hmm. Leon Bridges, maybe. He's a good one. Yeah, I love, I, I love his voice and his style. Do you have one if they were, if it was living or dead? Oh yeah. Um, Prince, uh, or uh, you know, Prince, like for the spectacle of it to be part of it, but for an artist that I would love to meet, I think Leonard Cohen and uh, Otis Redding are two songwriters that I would love to talk to and see firsthand sort of what they do. They've both written a lot of great stuff, so yeah, I always uh. You know, it's sad when any great artist that you love dies, if, as long as they weren't a shitty person, you know, it's really sad. But um, when Leonard Cohen died, it, it was a uniquely sort of heartbreaking thing for me because I just assumed I would meet him at some point and talk to him about songs just because I feel a great deal of influence from him and I just like connect so much with his songs and love his songs so much. And and he was alive, you know, for so much of my life. I didn't think he would die. And I just was like, oh, one day I'm gonna like open for Leonard Cohen or at the very least we'll play the same sort of thing and then I'll get to talk to him. And it'll be like such a great honor. And then it didn't have, you know, he died. And I was like, I'm, ne I'm never gonna get to be in the same room as him in the audience or backstage or anything i'm just never gonna get to feel what his presence is like and that yeah. was really really heartbreaking because we listened to artists that have passed prince and any of them michael jackson jimmy hendrix whoever and we could watch videos or you can listen to the music but you have no idea what it was like to be in a room with them or be in the stadium with them. you know you don't have to be like hanging out with them even if you're just in the theater at the same time that they were there you felt something that nobody will ever uh, get to feel that didn't, that wasn't in the same 
place as him at the same time. Like n- no amount of video, uh, no matter how good, high quality, beautiful audio, you'll never know what it felt like to be in the audience of a Jimi Hendrix show. Like what it felt, what the energy that he put out and the movement of his body in person and the tone of his voice when he was talking in between the set, you know, in between the songs or uh, how his hair shined in the light or whatever it is, just the energy that they, these artists put out, um, especially these magical ones. Um, there's nothing that we can do to, to feel it when they're gone, they're gone. Yeah. Um, what is it you think sets you apart from other independent artists? or even other artists in general? Uh, That's funny because, I mean, to me, I spend so much time working on my songs and playing my songs that in my mind, I'm like, oh, I'm I'm entirely unique (laughs) because I'm just, it's me, you know, but I, then I hear, you know, something uh, like a great, there's a lot of great artists. There's a lot of great artists now. I don't listen to their music because I don't really want to be influenced by things that are happening right now. I don't want to try and get into the what they're doing. I just want to be a unique artist. So I think for, from doing that, it's helped a lot. Um, I don't like take shows playing covers and I don't... Um, draw too much inspiration off any particular person that's doing anything. I just try to find my unique voice. I think in doing that, I've been able to, to some extent, do something that is unique in the sort of vulnerability and the openness that I write and sing in. So I was happy to admit sort of in my songs how maybe shitty I've been or how bad I feel about myself or um, how, 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 you know, how big of an ego I had or have or whatever it is. I think, uh, I think that might be something that sort of sets me apart. I'm not trying to look cool. Um, that, that would be one thing I guess I've learned not, you know, to be true to who I am. And I think that's something that it's hard to get to and that I'm able to do. So that would, I guess, be what sets me apart. But that, there are a lot of great sort of artists that, like Big Thief, I don't know if you know them. Um, they're a band from Brooklyn and the lead singer, Adrian Lanker is the songwriter. Um, or like Orville Peck, who like plays with this thing in like a mask. Um, they're Charlie Crockett. There's just like, there's incredible artists that are doing their thing. Um, I got to play with a bunch of them. Uh, there's this band, His Golden Messenger, that when I was in Scandinavia uh, touring, they were on the same festivals and they blew my mind. Um, the Felice Brothers, there's a, I mean, there's, I go on. There's a, there's a lot of people that I'll hear a song and I'll be like, oh fuck, they're amazing. And then I'm, I don't listen to anymore because I don't need to know anything else because I hear a song. I know they're fucking great. I know that what they do is awesome. And then I'm like, I respect them. Like I respect that, but I need to do my own thing. So I'm not going to listen to a bunch of their music and, and sort of get too much into what they're doing or influence it, get influenced by it or analyze it or try to figure out how to do it. You know, I think a lot of artists, when I was starting playing live a lot in Charleston, there was a band Shovels and Rope and they were wonderful. But then the people, the artists around Charleston were just listening all to them and going to see them play all the time. And then they just started sounding like them, like second rate versions of them. And that was like, what, why would I want that? Why would I want to see you do a basic cover band of a band that's still playing, but like different, like you need to find your own voice. Yeah. No, I 100% agree with that. I actually was just talking earlier with um, last week's episode. Um, Like the reason that like so many people 
anymore. Like for example, Taylor Swift, a lot of people note them, note Taylor Swift as like somebody that they love and admire the songwriting of and consume a lot of their music. And those people are artists themselves. But the thing is, is not some of those people will probably be carbon copies of your, like you said, second rate Taylor Swift types. Um, but then there's also some that take into the equation, like other artists that are also influencing them. And nobody's going to have the exact combination of influence as you. And as long as you're not just being influenced by one specific artist, you're going to make different music. You're going to make music that's a combination of these top three artists of yours or top five artists, whatever it is. But you have to, you have to kind of pick and choose how much you listen to of anything because you might end up in a situation where you're just redoing and regurgitating the stuff that they're already making. And that's not going to get you anywhere. Yeah. I mean, there's no way to be obsessed with Taylor Swift and be an artist. You just can't do it or else like what you're, you're saying there's someone that does what you're like, you're that Taylor Swift already exists. So Mm -hmm. then what are you going to do? Like, if you're not different, then why even make music? If you're just going to be a ripoff and it's a lot of artists that I, if you know, if I'm just going by a place or I run and jump into a spot and I hear someone, I can sort of immediately tell that it's just like, to me, doesn't have any, seem to have any meaning or heart. And it's just like, oh, well, Taylor Swift did this. So I'm going to do this and be popular. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of people want money. A lot of people want fame. And I can't even like, really hate on them because I'm not going to pretend that I don't want to be successful. Um, but I also wanted to do it in a way that I was bringing something different to the world. And it makes a lot of sense. Like a lot of folk singers do are very influenced by maybe people from the twenties or thirties or forties. That to me makes a lot of sense because those people are gone. So you're Mm -hmm. carrying, you're carrying the torch for them but you don't need to be carrying the torch for Taylor Swift because she's going to be doing this for like 30, 40, 50 more years, like Dolly Parton. Yeah. So it doesn't make sense to be like so derivative of Taylor Swift unless you're like two years old right now and then you can do it when she's gone. Or maybe not even, if you're not even born yet. Like why would you you try to be just like someone that's still there doing it? (laughs) Right. That's why you have to kind of be a combination of different things because nobody's like, if you're a combination of five different artists, that's a new sound. Like you're taking influence in these different ways from these different people. That works. If you're one true influence is one artist, you're just going to be making exactly what they're making. Yeah, I agree. And I would go one step further that you need space from all of it to be a to, right. to be able to do something unique. Because if you're just listening to all this other music, I mean, you know, I don't know. This is just obviously my personal philosophy because I'm not, um, I'm talking like I'm an authority on this. I'm certainly not. Uh, I guess maybe sometimes I do think I am an authority on it, but I'm, for me, I don't spend a lot of time listening to music. I listen to podcasts and audiobooks and things that inspire me that aren't musical so that when I have that space in my head to feel inspired that comes out in something that's uh, different or at least not so directly influenced anyways i'm sure you know there's of course i'm derivative of things that i listened to you know growing up i'm probably derivative of, of leonard cohen and derivative of towns van Zandt and simon and garfunkel and um and motown and uh, otis redding all these things i've listened to a whole lot they're all you know, my sound is completely based on sort of maybe everything I've heard collectively because I wouldn't know sort of where to go without those things. But um, yeah, there the closer you are to it, the, the harder it is to see things. So it just in general. So when you take space from things, you can kind of see it better. Yeah, I 100% agree. Um, what is the impact that you want you and your music to have? Well, so I, I sort of like thought more and more of this. Like when I was younger, I didn't think about this. I didn't, you know, like I wanted people to connect to it, but it really was just, I'm going to sing whatever I'm feeling and not 
worry about it. And now sort of as, as time goes on, I think I've become a lot more conscious of how it might be perceived um, and that it's like loving and that there's like a lovingness to it. And a, um, like uh, my son doesn't, my son always corrects me if I use like gendered language when I'm talking about people I don't know. Um, so that's sort of extended into my thoughts, songwriting, where I would say a lot of like girl before in the songs because I write about my heartbreak with girls. That, that's who I date. But I, um, I also am like, well, what does that sort of even mean? Like how does really gender play into it? So I think more specifically around that, I've become more uh, conscious of of how it might play out or sort of if, like when I listen to emo music from back in the day, to me, it feels very problematic, feels kind of gross um, because they are all men singing about women in a very one-dimensional sort of way. Uh, and I don't want to contribute to that sort of cliche trope of society of patriarchy and, and everything. So I guess I thought a little bit more about that. Um, uh, and sort of as I've gotten to explore myself and, and sort of what parts of me are masculinity as I've learned it and sort of toxic and what parts of me are conditioned and stripping those away has sort of led to softer uh, music. <laughs> Just like a warmer, more loving intention in the songs. So would you say then that like that loving sort of like feeling that you say you're putting into like more of your music, is that kind of what you want to impart on those that like listen to it like how yeah. do you want to impact your impact your listeners yeah i mean that's that's all that's all of it is that i i want people to only be impacted positively by it whether it's catharsis and it's sad so then it gives them sort of a, a relief from feeling alone in their sadness um but uh, also that, um, yeah, that it that it touches them uh, in a good way. <laughs> yeah, I, I hope. But uh, at the same time, like I, all these songs are expressions of myself, so uh, it's really like a lot less about what I want people to feel and feeling comfortable being vulnerable enough to produce something that's vulnerable for so that people can connect to it so that it's honest because I think for me like honesty is love like truth is love and lies and fear are are the same thing as hate so like nobody can be racist without some sort of lie because there's no um, there's no basis behind those bigotry has no rational backing it's it's all it's all lies there's no there's nothing truthful about racism and bigotry and, and hatred um, there's no logic behind it it is all fear and when people try to justify it and try to have logic it, it never adds up but other people that are fearful also believe it. And it's how hatred spreads. So to me, I feel like if I can be honest with myself in my songs and how I feel, then I'm not going, it's not going to be used to be part of something if like bad, it's only going to be used for, for people to feel like truth in it. I think that's, I mean, I, Think that's a great way to put that i never really thought about it that way to be honest um that kind of brings us to the last question that is 
what the podcast is all about and ultimately asking why music um you mean as opposed to something else yeah <laughs> um i mean i think there's been a lot of scientific studies about this but music is uh on its own uniquely there's something about it that's that nothing else um can approximate um it just moves you you know maybe uh maybe like movies but that's because they've got music going in the background <laughs> um uh so our music i'm uh, uh well i guess that can be a lot of things for me music because i feel really lost without it um and doing it is like the greatest joy uh, that I have. So yeah, that's why music for me. Yeah. It's ultimately fulfilling your purpose. You know, it's that's where, where your passions lie is usually where your purpose lies. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting, like, uh, because now, people want to be famous more so than I remember when I was younger, people wanted to be famous. If you were famous, it was for something. Um, but now people seem to just want to be, social media has like made it so that people just want to be sort of famous for, it doesn't matter what it's for. Um, and we all like have all these opinions, myself included. Um, but like arguing on Facebook or whatever, all these other things, it doesn't really do anything. Like music, it's a good thing. It's entirely good, you know, unless you write some fucking gross lyrics or whatever, unless you're like a fucking uh, Brad, uh, not Brad Paisley, uh, there's this Jason Aldean, this dude whose like wife is a transphobe and uh like this other country singer like called them out and then this country singer is getting like threats all the time and tucker carlson's threatening so unless you're one of those assholes then music is a beautiful thing um but yeah i think that's it kind of shows like if you're one of those country music sort of assholes then that shows that your music isn't really meaningful and that the people you attract are going to be assholes too because there's no depth in what you're saying you know, <laughs> so I think, yeah, for me, music, it's to get to a deeper place. Like with all things, like if you're in a relationship, you want to get to a deeper place with your friends and your family and your partners. Um, you want to get to a deeper place of truth and, and understanding and music should do the same. I think that's very well said. Um, Thanks. <laughs> well that brings us to the end of this episode of the why music podcast check back again next tuesday for another conversation with another independent artist thanks for listening